Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We do praise you. We give you much thanksgiving. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness and your long-suffering. We thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed. We thank you for the right to cry, Abba, Father. We thank you for Holy Spirit, who is our teacher. We thank you for the written word that gives us instruction. We thank you for all the resources that you've made available for our success. We thank you for hearing hearts and minds to understand. We thank you that we're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We thank you that every time we hear the word, it is grafted into us, planted in our hearts, and our lives are never the same. So we have expectation right now that before we even hear the word, that we will be transformed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love y'all, but you know what? You can walk and pray, so you can you don't have to stand. You can you can. I walk and pray all the time. How many of you walk and pray? I walk and pray all the time. I walk and pray all the ever, time. I don't ever stop. So you ain't I just, just got to stand there. You can come on in to you, you drive and pray. You shower and pray. <laughs> you wake up and you sleep and you praying. So you don't you don't have to do those things because I know that you were taught that those are things, but they're really just religious things because right. God can hear you whether you're moving or laying down That's or right. on your knees or That's whatever. Right. So you don't have to stand there. You can just come and take your seat. Amen. Amen. So we've been teaching this um, this summer about this is the best summer of our lives. Amen. Amen. How many you? Amen. How many of you are seeing this be the best summer of your lives? Amen. Don't give up yet. The best is yet to come. Amen. The Bible says that we should go from faith to faith and glory to glory. I really want to give it up to Pastor Elwood, who's taught with me a couple of times this um, this summer. And you, so you guys know this that when I teach with him, we have a lot of notes. Amen. When he teach with me, we have this. And so I really appreciate him being flexible as we work this thing out. But it's, you know, we've been talking about how important it is for us to live according to the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 and 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We've said to you all summer, we've said to you from, since the inception of this ministry that God doesn't care how many things you have as long as the things don't have you. Amen. He doesn't want you to be more tied to stuff than to him. Um, you think about it like this, that you use money to reach people. You don't use people for money. Amen. That's the, that's the difference in the kingdom mindset the right there. Both of them involve money and people. Uh -huh. In the world, we use people to get money. In the kingdom, we use money to impact people. Mm -hmm. And so we've been talking about that, and we've been talking about having these expectations that God is going to do something in our lives. Amen? But we've used a couple of scriptures a lot, Third John 2, and it says, Beloved, above all things, I wish you would prosper even as your soul prospers. This is just recap. Your soul prospers. And we said that our soul is comprised of five parts. What are those parts? Mine. Mind, will, emotions, imaginations, and intellect. And what we have determined is that you will never live above your soul. You will never live above your soul. And the example that we give sometimes is that a lot of times just because you can articulate something doesn't mean you can know it. You can articulate that you should drink more water and still drink sweet tea all day. Your body does not get any benefit because you know you should drink water and you don't drink it. Right? So it's not the fact that you can articulate something that is the proof of whether you know it. It is what you actually do. 
And it's not just what you do. You don't want to just get to the point that it's what you do on Sundays. So we get up here and we make confessions on Sunday and you declare that you're the head and not the tail, that you're blessed above all of those different things. And then you go home and all the rest of the week you're talking about how raggedy your life is, how nothing ever works for you, how your boss is always against you. Because it's not what you do in a little bit that's going to impact your life. It's what you do the majority of the time that's going to impact your life. Here's an example. If you're eating right, you can eat right most of the time and eat bad some of the time and still have a great body. But you can't eat bad all the time. And so it's what you do most of the time that is going to get the results. That's why we're always doing confessions. That's why we're always challenging you to pay attention to what is coming out of your mouth to make sure that what you're saying is in line with the word of God. And some people say, well, does it really matter what I say? Absolutely it matters what you say. Your whole life is built on what you say. Yep. Your whole life is built on what you've said. You say you don't have any money when you get paid. You don't have any money when you get paid. Even if you have a little extra money when you get paid, you find a way to spend it because you already said you didn't have any money when you get paid. People break up before they say it. Nobody just is happy. You just happy. You, you, you just had a great lunch, a great dinner, went to a movie, and then you just look at them and go, I don't want to be with you anymore. No, that's not how it happens. It starts in your mind. You start saying to people, I don't, you know, you to your good friend, I don't really know if this is worth it. I don't really know if I want to do it. And then they do one thing, you're like, I'm done. So understand that what you say really matters. Tell your neighbor, so what you say really matters. What you say really matters. But not only does what you say really matter, what you do really matters. Yeah. Right? If a father tells a child that he loves that child, but he never provides for that child, what happens for that child over time? That child gets real confused about what love looks like. If you say you love me, but you never come to my programs, you say you love me, but you, you can't never pay for a field trip, you say you love me, but you never show up when I need you. So it's not just what we say, it's also what we do. So as a result, as believers, our life should look like what we say. We say we love Jesus. I'm not saying that we should be perfect. I'm saying we should be perfect in our hearts toward God, striving toward perfection. Mm -hmm. Now, this has got to translate to not just what we do in here which is what we're going to talk about today because it's like how do you get your life to be better and better and better. And so we started out a couple of weeks ago talking about these seven spheres of influence. I'm going to give them to you so you can have them. We're going to come back and talk about them a little bit at the end, but we're going to give you some scripture about why it's so important for you to do what you do with excellence. Mm -hmm. So these are these seven spheres that God wants every believer to have influence in. Well, not every single one, but every believer has a place in that, okay? So the first three belong to everybody. Here are the top three. God wants you to have influence in your family. Amen. Say family. Family. Say family matters. Family matters. The second place that God wants you to have influence is in your church. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Nothing worse than going to church with mean folks. Nothing worse than going to church with somebody who mad because you sat in their seat as though you would know it was their seat because it had their name on it. On, Nothing worse than going to church with people who gossip and keep up mess. On, Amen. Number three, education. You ought to be a lifelong learner. You ought to be a lifelong learner. Research says that about 60% of people um, after they graduate high school never read a book. If you're not reading books, shame on you. 
when I mean read, I mean also listen to, because now you can actually listen to books. You don't even have to hold it. You can listen to it. But if you're not taking in new information, if where you get your source of information is Facebook and Snapchat, then you need to get your whole life because you're not going to be able to be excellent, all right? Now, here are some areas that are based on what our gifts and callings are. Government. The Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. God is looking for people to be in government. Five, media. Six is called celebration. Celebration, under celebration is arts, entertainment, and sports. Arts, entertainment, and sports. And then seven, economics. Under economics is business, science, and technology. All right? So I'm just going to list them real quick for you, and then we're going to get into our scriptures this morning. Family, church, education, government, media, celebration, and economics. Those are So basically, God wants influence everywhere. Tell your neighbor, say, God, God wants, influence wants influence everywhere. Everywhere. Now, we're going to get into some scriptures, and we're going to start with 1 John 4 and 7. We should be excellent. Tell your neighbor, say, you should be excellent. You should be excellent. No, look at him in the face. Tell him for real. Say, you should be excellent. You should be excellent. Excellence matters. It was so exciting because when I walked in this morning, we didn't talk about exactly what we were going to say because he knew I was going to write my notes when we got here based on what I heard, right? And when I came in, he was talking about fire, functioning in radical excellence. That's how believers ought to be known. We ought to be known for functioning in radical excellence. In this scripture, 1 John 4 and 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is... Read, oh, everybody read it. As he is in this world. So when you look through scripture, you don't see Jesus being raggedy. You don't see Jesus half doing assignments. You don't see Jesus, he assigned to heal the blind man. He just put vision in one eye. Right? So if Jesus is excellent and we've been redeemed, we should be excellent. Amen. Oh, I did your scripture. I'm sorry. Just do that one. All right. I'm sorry. First Peter 2. <laughs> you should have told me. So why? It says because we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Listen, I don't know about you, but growing up, peculiar just meant people wore long skirts and their hair in buns and they didn't speak when you saw them. That's not what peculiar should mean. It should mean that your standard, your living, it should be so much, it should be so superior that people are like, what is God doing in your life? Tell me about this God that you know, right? That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're all chosen and we're made holy because of him. And he says, but we are royalty. And so many times when people talk about being a king and a queen, um, it's, we were laughing because one of our kids has always wanted to be a king, but really just to boss people. That's why they want to be a king. And... <laughs> If you know our kids, you know which one it is. Uh, <laughs> but the truth of it is, is that the mark of a king is always indicated by how well the people are doing. A good king, is a, a good king, a good queen is indicated by the people 
not the king. If the king got um, gold cups and the people starving in the street, he a bad king. And so when we talk about being kings and queens and being royalty, that's got to be more than just wanting to go to the front of the line. That's got to be, I want to be at the head because when I'm at the head, I can make it better for other people. And when we do this, what are we doing? We are showing praises to the Lord because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right, it's your turn now, for so real. Caleb, if you could go, go back. I want to I bring something out. Go back to the scripture we were in before, um, 1 John 4, 17. Why, we, we sometimes lift this scripture from the pages because it's an impactful scripture. But if you understand the discourse that was happening in 1 John, you understand that 1 John, the fourth chapter, is all about love. He's talking about their love and how much they love one another and how much they love God. Someone says, well, how does this go along with excellence? Here's the thing you got to get. The Bible says everything you do, you ought to do as unto the Lord. So, so if you understand that God loves you and you understand your love for God, then when you are attempting to do something, when God's giving you breath and strength and resources to do it, then you don't go out and do it like it's halfway. You do it with a degree of excellence because it is a reflection of your love to God. It goes back to what she was saying last week. We show up for our jobs on time. We show up for appointments on time. But when it comes to do something for the Lord, it's almost like we'll get there when we get there. And what he is saying here, he says, herein is our love made perfect. How is your love made perfect? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, how was Jesus? Excellent. How did Jesus heal? Excellent. How did he display love? With excellence. Everything Jesus did was about excellence. And herein is how we know that you can be made perfect by displaying excellence. Now, when we talk about excellence, excellence doesn't mean that you can do something to the degree that somebody else can do it. Come on. That's Just good. because somebody else can do something better than you doesn't mean what you do is not excellent. Excellence is about what you give. Excellence is about if you know you can give 100% and you give 90, that's not excellent. Even if you give a 90, far out surpasses somebody giving 100. And sometimes what happens in life is we start to look at things, especially in church and in our homes and everything else, and we go, well, you know what? I'm doing more than so-and-so. Maybe your capacity is more. Amen. Maybe Amen. your ability is more. And so to whom much is given, much is required. So you may be able to do more than someone else, but if you're doing more than someone else and you're giving 60% and they're doing everything they can and they match you and they give 100, they're out excelling you. They are, they are doing more excellence. They are out excellence you, okay? Why? Because you're, you're not giving full effort. It's the difference between having two kids and knowing that one kid who makes a C is giving their all and another kid who is sloth and makes a B. No, people have different abilities. If you can make an A, make an A. If you can do well, do well. Don't, don't, don't lower yourself to somebody else because you feel like people aren't working as hard. You know, pe people have, and I'm not, as a pastor, I've always understood that, that people have different stages in their lives, right? So you may have, so, so what, if, if I need something done and I'm talking to a single man, I don't care so much about whatever he's got going on because he's single. He ain't got a whole lot of responsibilities. But if you are a, a married man, then your first responsibility is to your wife. And then if you got kids, then you got to take care of your kids. So, so I see those two as different. So I never judge whether or not someone is helping in the church based on how much somebody else is doing. Are you giving your all. 
because that's what excellence is about. So when we look at 1 John 4, you can't just look at this and pull this off and be like, well, here it is, our love made perfect, that we may be bold in the day of judgment, because just like Jesus was, I was. No, Jesus was a person of excellence. Amen. Jesus, in, in, in fact, Jesus was such a person of excellence, which is the reason when people confront me sometimes and say, well, why do you and Pastor Sean talk about social issues so much? That's all Jesus ever did. Everything he did was, was confronting a social issue. It was a social issue when they wanted to stone the woman because she had, and what, he said, what did he say? He said, he that is without sin cast what? The first stone. That was a social justice issue. He was like, how do you get to condemn somebody else when you got sin in your life? And so being excellent is like, you know what? I, I got to make sure I'm giving my entire capacity. The, the best example, and I'll move on and let Pastor come back, but the best example I've ever heard of doing something with excellence is when Dr. Ivy Hilliard told a story about when he first started his TV ministry. He said he, when he started his TV ministry, there were people out there who were spending literally five, ten million dollars a year on TV time. He said he didn't have that kind of money. So what he did is he went and bought the best, the, the best black cloth he could find. He hung it up with shower rod hooks. He said he went and got some floodlights because he couldn't get real lights like you do for TV. He went and got floodlights and strung floodlights across. And they produced that broadcast every single week. And folk had no idea that he was doing it with that. Why? Because he was using what he had. And Amen. sometimes what you're doing is you're waiting till you get everything you think you need before you do anything. Preach, and man. excellence says, I do what I need to do right now with what I have. So maybe you haven't finished school yet, but what can you do with what you have? Maybe you haven't got the other job yet, but what can you do with what you have? Because excellence is not going, if you say you want to start a business, excellence is not going home and then coming home and going, oh, I hate my job. And then you sleep instead of starting a business. Sometimes you, you have to ask yourself, how much of my capacity am I really tapping into? And let me help you. Most of us ain't reached our potential. Most of us haven't reached our potential. You think you're tired? You think you're exhausted? I guarantee you there's somebody out there working harder and doing more and giving more. And you have to ask yourself, am I really giving all or am I giving what I'm comfortable with? Because that's how you get to determine excellence for your own life. Preach, pastor? You look oh, cute oh. when you preach like that. Hold on. I want to say something. Hold on. Wait. Hold on. I think that that's also important in relationships, too, because a lot of times what I find is that you're mad at your spouse because you're like, they're not giving what I'm giving. Did you know their capacity? Yeah, you got to know your capacity. Because the truth of it is, is that if you have the ability to get a six-figure job and they got the ability to get a $60,000 job and they got sixty, and you just 80, you the one cheating even yep. though you make $20,000 more. That's right. And that was that. And that's because the point. A lot, because that a lot of point. times yeah. people in marriage spend a lot of time worrying about what your spouse yeah. doing. You got a whole lot of time to worry about what your spouse doing. I want my spouse to work more. I want my spouse to go back to school. I want my spouse. What about you? What did the Lord tell you to do? Have you tapped out everything the Lord told you to do while you always over there trying to manage your spouse? In fact, you haven't because you're so busy managing your spouse that you can't hear what the Lord is saying to you. Amen. You preach it. The Lord tell you to start a business. We go start a business. He didn't say we. He right, said you. Right, so now you want right, your spouse out there right. doing what God called you to do. Yep. Oh, but we that's my helpmate. But the Bible didn't say the help me and I do that because you out there selling snow cones, I'm out there taking the money. Right. The Bible may say that what that may mean is that I'm keeping the kids while you're taking the money. Mm -hmm. 
or I'm back in school while you taking the money. And so it's important for you to understand that if you're going to operate in excellence, you can't compare yourself to anybody else, not even your spouse. Not even your spouse. Amen. All right, you can do your scripture. So, so when we're talking about this thing of excellence, right, excellence is, um, is, is, is a resource that is available to every believer. Why? Because the Bible says, as Jesus is in this world, what? So are we. So we know Jesus to be excellent. And since Jesus was excellent, we are too. But let's talk about where this degree of excellence come from and how does it show up in my life. Amen. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verse 2. And uh, I probably should have had him to do verse one, but I, I'll tell you about verse one. Verse one, basically, uh, there, Isaiah is, 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 is here and he receives this revelation. And he's talking about how there's going to be uh, this branch that's going to come out of the house of Jesse. And if you study that out, what you find out is he was talking about Jesus. It was the lineage through which Jesus came. And he says, literally, it's, and then it goes into verse two and it says, and the spirit of the Lord. Now watch this. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, who is it talking about the him? The him is talking about the root that was going to come out of the house of Jesse, which was Jesus. He says, and the spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon him, okay? And here's the spirit of the Lord that's going to rest upon him. It's going to be the spirit of wisdom, okay? That, that, that's going to rest on Jesus. And the spirit of what? Understanding. And what? The spirit of counsel in the spirit of what might in the spirit of what knowledge and this word fear he says an irreverential fear that oh, means no to Lord. do what's right to do what's right when it's right when ain't nobody looking that's right that when i when i have a reverential fear of the lord i don't i don't just i don't do bad stuff when 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 folk can't see and, and, and be like well god you know nobody saw it god sees everything and he says, so all of these facets are what become known as a facet of the anointing, okay? Now, the anointing is God's ability. It's got supernatural ability placed on you. So it says, notice this, that when Jesus come, and you, and, and you know the, the story of what happened. He gets baptized. The Bible says that a dove descended upon him. And, and what happened was this was the manifestation of this prophecy. Mm -hmm. And when this prophecy comes mm -hmm. to pass, Jesus gets all of these things added to his life in the earth realm. So what does that mean? That means that you and I go back to 1 John 4, 17, when it says, as he is, so am I in this world. So Jesus had the spirit of wisdom. Say, I have the spirit of wisdom. I have the spirit of wisdom. Jesus had the spirit of understanding. Say, I have the spirit of understanding. I have the spirit Jesus of understanding. Jesus had the spirit of counsel. Say, I have the spirit of counsel. I have the spirit of counsel. Say, Jesus had the spirit of might. I have the spirit of might. I have the spirit and of And you mind. can go on and on with knowledge in this reverential fear of the Lord. So if you say you are in Christ Jesus, these things belong to you. Amen. These things help you to be excellent. Amen. Don't tell me you don't have the ability to be excellent. Don't tell me that you, because going to school has nothing to do with being excellent. How many degrees you have have nothing to do with being excellent. How much money you make actually has no degree of being excellent. Every one of us have known someone in our life who was really good at something, but that didn't mean they were giving their all for it. That, we have this scripture, and we, we said it many times because some of our kids have been in sports or dance, and it, it says, and, and, and it's, the quote is basically says this, it says, hard work beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. And you can be the most talented person you want to be. If you don't put forth effort, you will never be your best. You, listen, you might not ever have to train and can outbeat me running. That don't make you good. Oh, that's good. Just That's because good. you beat me in a foot race doesn't make you good. Have you beat your personal best? 
Have you went beyond what you could do? Excellence is not about what you require. Uh, it's not about what someone else requires of you. It's about what you require of yourself. And the reality of it is when you're laying in the bed at night, nobody really knows whether you're being excellent or not except for you. All they can judge is that you're better than somebody else. But here's the thing I'll tell you about excellence. Ex because we live in the world that we live in, you ain't even really got to strive for. And it's sad. You don't even have to strive for a lot of excellence to be better than most folk. That's sad. And, and it's a sad statement. But if you understood that if you go to your job and you push yourself to be excellent, you will so stand out because most folks ain't trying to be. No, see, most, most people, listen, uh, if, you just, if you just staple one more paper than most folk do, you send out one more extra email, go, go pay attention, don't fall asleep in one less meeting, you, people will begin to That's see you as being excellent. Now, that doesn't mean that you are excellent, but it, what it means is that excellence is, 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 is so foreign to so many people, we don't get to see it a lot. And because we don't get to see it a lot, what we see a lot of time is good, but we really don't get a chance to see great in people. And the problem with that is that sometimes the, 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 the enemy of being good, the enemy of being great is being good. And so because you're good and you're better than somebody else, then you figure, well, you know what, I can just chill because can anybody do it better than me anyway? But could you do it better than you? That's good. Could you outdo you? Could you do better? Could I, could I preach a message better next week than I did this week? Even if this one was five, can I do better next week? That's the question you got to be asking yourself. Maybe they sung the house down, but did we miss a note that nobody else missed? Nobody else knew it, but we knew it. Can we fix it for next week? That's right. And that's how excellence begins to work. And so he says all of these facets Amen. are part of the anointing. They are the six or seven facets of the anointing, depending on how you break them down. And but these, are, but these are available to every believer. The same anointing that was on Christ is the same anointing that is on you. And you have the ability to be excellent in whatever area you choose to be excellent in. Nothing can stop you. Amen. Amen. And so that's why it's so important as a believer, you shouldn't be slothful and lazy. Amen. But the Bible says we're supposed to be light. How can you be light on your job when everybody know that you do less work than everybody on your job? Mm -hmm. Like, how, part of being light is being a problem solver. Like, when they were hungry, Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread. He was a problem solver, right? right. So if on your job when something goes wrong, you sitting up complaining with everybody else, you got the same break room, got, right. talking mess, <laughs> Sister Young says, listen, that's really important. Like, can if, if we if we could listen to you on your job when something happens that you don't like, could we tell you are a believer? Good question. That's a good question. Good question. Could you tell, could we tell that you are a believer? Or do I'm not talking about whether you cuss or not. I'm talking about whether you're complaining, whether you're praying for wisdom and asking for solutions. The other night, Chase um, played football game, and his coach asked him to do something that seems impossible. It's, it seems impossible based on how he's doing. And so at first, like, we were talking about how the, church, the coach needs to change the scheme, all that stuff that you do when, you're, when you, your kid is playing, right? All that stuff that you do when your kid is playing. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, why don't you tell Chase to ask me how to get there? See, just because, and see, we come to church and we quote, all things are possible mm -hmm. to God, and then when you face an impossible situation, instead of asking God how to make it possible, you talk about the weight that somebody else is putting on the inside of you. So the next morning I said to Chase, why don't you ask the Lord how to get there? Because if they drew the play, it must be a way to get there. So ask the Lord to tell you how to get there. 
So you're in a situation right now when your marriage is raggedy. Did you ask the Lord how to make it better? Yeah, or are you just sitting up and talking about how bad it is? Come or on. are you spending about how, talking about how much your, it would be better if your spouse changed? Because the truth of it is that most married folks, they know everything their spouse should do to change and very little about what they should do well. to change. Um, I got this issue with my, my kids. How many parenting books have you read? What do you know about parenting? Do you know that your children are different? Are you trying to parent them the same way? Right, right. Tell your neighbor, say, kids are different. Kids are different. They hate to be compared. Yep. And you can't parent them the same. And you can't parent them the same. Amen. And sometimes you can't even parent a kid the same in August, in July. Because they change they and they evolve. Amen. Are you a student of your children? Amen. 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 So, so let's define, because you know we like definitions. We want to make sure that we, we, love we get, I love yeah. definitions. I want to make sure that we're talking on the same page. So let's, let's, just, just, let's just define this word excellence, okay? So if you're taking notes, I'll, I'll slow down for just a moment. Let's just define this. The word excellence is about the quality of being outstanding. It's the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it means to stand out. It is um, about distinction. Uh, it's about quality. It, it's, it's about uh, one of the words, it's a synonym of that is the word brilliance. It shines. It shows. Excellence shows. Uh, it, it's, it's about being uh, valuable in, in quality and quantity. They use a word, it's, we'll finish with, it's, it's the word eminence. Um, when, when we used to teach about the love of God, um, we always define God's love as being preeminent. In other words, whatever is, what, whatever is, 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 is first, uh, eminent is over that. So, so, so if eminence is number one, then God's love is preeminent. It's before first. So, so, so whatever, whatever you love, that's great. Whatever's in first place for you, that's fine. But God's before that. God's preeminent. So this word eminence is about excellence. It, it's, it's about brilliance. It's about standing out. It's about being outstanding. It's about being of great quality or great, or great quantity. In other words, excellence is not something that people have to guess at. Come on. It, it, people know excellence when they see it. They, 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 you, when you, when you, when you, if, when, when someone um, cooks, uh, you, you know whether they whether they put their foot in it or not. You, 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 you know, you, you know excellence when food, where food is concerned. If, if, if you're, if you're watching uh, a step team perform their, their routine, you, you know whether or not they've been excellent or not. You know whether they woke up two weeks before the show and, and tried to do something. Because, but why? Because, you, because even if you don't like that kind of stuff, when you see somebody do it with precision, yeah. it's like, woo! Why? Because it shows up. It's brilliant. It's better than when, when, when you when when you're when, when you when you're in your business. Do people go wow when you deliver a product or a service to them? Because if they don't, then you got to ask yourself, how, how are you going to push yourself? 
Pastor Sean and I, this week, we, we were hanging out because I'm not having to travel, praise the Lord, for right now. Uh, and so I, I just be chilling with her during the day. Uh, and, and so she, and so she, she like, let's go to breakfast. Cool. She like, let's go to lunch. Cool. So, so one day we, one day we went to lunch, and we went to a new place. And 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 Passion got this magnetic personality. So you know, even when you're trying to eat, people just come up and start talking to her, which is cool. That's fine. And so we were at this place, <laughs> and, and we were trying to eat our food. Uh, and this gentleman came up, and, and we found out that he was the cook of the place where we were going. And the food was really, really good. And one of the things he, that he said that really struck us, he was talking about his craft. And he referred to cooking as his craft. Now, listen, when you start to refer to something as your craft, you don't put some, you don't put some energy and some effort behind it. And he was talking about cooking greens. Now, I don't eat greens, so I was just eating my chicken. I really paying them no attention. But they were talking about greens, but I started to pay attention when I heard him say something because what he said was, if someone tells me that they had the best greens ever in St. Louis, he said, I'm going to find the next opportunity to go to St. Louis and eat those greens to find out what they taste like to see what I need to do to improve my craft. That is excellence. Because everybody has been telling him all his life that his is the best. Well, he's like, if mine is the best, but somebody says something else is the best, I'm not going to rest on my laurels just because somebody told me mine was the best. And here's the problem that happens with children sometimes, right? And I don't mean this in any disrespectful way or whatsoever, but a lot of people sometimes come from smaller places. And when you come from smaller places and you're the top in your class, you one out of 61, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That That's counts. cool. That's, That's cool. great. Yeah. That's great. You one out of 61, you knocking it out. But now you're going to be one out of 4,500? So you move from some place, you come to Northwest Arkansas, and it's a 1,000 kids who's as smart as you are. And if you haven't learned to work, you will get shell-shocked. Because you have always been smart your whole life. They done patted you on your back. You done made honor roll. You ain't studied. You ain't did no homework. Ain't studied for no test. And then you come to some other environment where excellence is at a different level and you can struggle. But if you learn to work hard, if you learn that no matter what you're doing, you're putting forth maximum effort, they can drop you in any environment and you will thrive. Amen. Amen. You will thrive. It don't matter what they do, but it comes from, it's an it's a internal fortitude. You can't even, all you, all you can do is really encourage it and talk about it with your kids, but, it, but nobody can flip the switch for you but you. You've yeah. got to be able to flip the switch. Now, there are people who can coach you and motivate you, and they can say the right things to get you to flip the switch, but nobody can flip that switch of excellence for you but you. You have to decide, I want to be the best. And once you decide that, you can't be stopped. Amen? And in anything that God has said, you believe God has called you to do, you ought to want to be the best. Amen. You ought to want to be the best wife to your husband. You ought to want to be the best husband to your wife. You ought to want to be the best mother, the best father. You ought to want to be the best at whatever you are called to do. But especially if you prayed for a job, you ought to want to be excellent at it. Amen. You and I had the whole church fasting. You ain't want nobody eating chicken, believing God with you for a job, and then you get the job and you half work. Even if everybody else half works, it shouldn't be named among you. It shouldn't be named among you. If everybody half work, you ought to be known for the fact that you don't. If everybody take a shortcut, if everybody does it, like that's that whole I've decided to follow Jesus no matter who goes with me, that's it right there. I'm going to be excellent. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what anybody else does because what I do is for the Lord. 
I don't know why you do what you do, but what I do is for the Lord. Yeah. I was thinking about this. We got a couple examples in our church because one of the things we've been working on is our 20% challenge, save, 20, save 10%, tie 10%. And so as a result, one of our calls this year was for people to start businesses. And then so it's just two quick examples of what excellence looks like. So um, everybody knows Kathleen. Everybody knows Kathleen makes shirts. Mm -hmm. When I got ready to go um, to uh, Maryland, I asked Kathleen to make my shirt. She said, how many shirts do you need? I said, I need 390 shirts. Kathleen didn't tell me she had never made 390 shirts at one time before. She said, I got it. When I came, she never said it to me. When I came to pick up the shirts, the black woman Bill Worth shirt, she cut every one of them out by hand. She used what she had. She used what she had. And, and, and in her excellence of doing that, she didn't research the process so the next time she gets to order that large, she, she doesn't have to do, have to do it by hand. hand. But you don't let anything stop you. There is more in you than you think. See, the thing about being excellent is that whenever you're excellent about something, people think that you, they, they start using terms like bougie, funny acting, stuff like that. But our second example is Kenosha. If you've watched Kenosha with those cookies, listen, we buy cookies for Kenosha, but we're also her test dummies when she don't like a batch. And she sent us a batch the other week that we didn't understand why she didn't like, but we were so glad that she didn't like them. But she said something the other day. I was talking to her on the phone, and she said, right now, nobody gets to pack my cookies but me because I know what the box should look like when it's open. That means she getting up early. She's staying up late. And some of you, you hear a confession that this is going to be the best summer of your life, and you think that means go into chill mode because now the Lord going to come in like a mighty Russian wind. And change your whole life. No, the best sum of your life means that whatever God told you he would bless you in, you ought to be pushing into it right now, expecting open doors and increase. And, yes. and see, see yes. most people miss their blessing because most blessings come dressed in opportunity, and opportunity look like work. work. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And the truth of it is, is that most people, we're just talking about how to be excellent. This is how you get to be excellent. If you're willing to do, I, I say to my kids, I say, if you're willing to do for five years what most, what most people want, you can live better than most people for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's right. If you put that effort in. This is true. When our marriage was messed up, we weren't the only couple that we knew with a jacked up marriage. It was a bunch of us. Yeah. Most of them divorced. But some of them marriage still raggedy because the five years it took to turn it around, they weren't doing the work. Yep. They was too busy complaining. So you got to be able to get used to doing the work even if nobody is working with you. Yep. You can't be mad talking about, well, ain't nobody staying up with me. God gave you the dream. Why everybody got to stay up with you? God gave you the idea. Why everybody got to stay up with you? Why you need everybody to run and pat you on the back? See, the Bible says that this is why David was excellent. He knew how to encourage himself. In the Lord, yeah. He knew how to encourage himself. Yes. The Lord called me to this. The Lord called me to this victory. And some of you, you can't be successful because you need a whole stadium of people clapping you on the back. That's good. That's good. Excellence is an inside job. Yeah. It starts with your expectation and your desire to be good at something and to put the work in. This is what they say it takes to make an expert, 10,000 hours. Yep. 10,000 hours to make an expert. Have you done whatever you've done for 10,000 hours? Wow. 
How much have you read about it? How much have you studied about it? Do you know the best people in your industry? Right. See, because anybody who really want to be excellent, they know who the best is because mm-hmm. they know who they're coming for. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be a great basketball player, male or female, and don't know Michael Jordan. That's just the truth. Because you go for what you, you set your standard and you push and you thrive, but the job is still always, can I be better today than I was on yesterday? Well, and, and just, and, and we'll move on, but you know, I just have to say it because it kind of, so I'm always looking at examples of excellence, right? So I don't know if any of y'all saw it, but because we, we're local, we get our cookies in, in the white box with the ribbon in, in, in the thing, and, it, and, that's, and that's cool, right? But the people who live out of town have to get theirs in a postal box, right? But nobody wants, Kenosha doesn't want her product to just show up with a postal box. She got Kenosha cookies packing tape. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 hold on, because what, the question could be, why does she need Kenosha cookies packing tape? Because presentation matters. No, no, because, because, because she didn't have U.S. mail tape. Which would be fine. U.S. mail tape, you open, you get the box, it's great, cookies are wonderful. No, no, no. She means from the time someone gets her box, the reflection of her excellence needs to show up. Now, all I'm saying to you is that, you know, most of us may not have thought about going out and ordering and designing packing tape to match our product. All I'm saying to you is that whatever you do, whether you teach, whether you detail cars, whether you cook, whether you, whether you fix shoes, whether you sell wraps, whether you uh, train kids, whatever you do, you ought to be thinking, how do I get to do this better? How, do, how can I improve? How can I make the experience so lit for the customer that even that they're willing to pay me more for the experience than they are for the product? Because understand, if I have the choice to go to two restaurants and the food is the same, but it costs more at one restaurant than it does the other, but the customer service is going to be so much better, I'm going to pay more money. Every time I'm going to pay more money. If, if, if you come cut my yard, because I don't cut grass, and you cut my yard and you leave all that grass in my yard, I, I don't care how cheap it is, you ain't cutting my grass no more. Amen. You better get that little blower thing they use and blow that grass off my sidewalk and all that stuff off, bag up my grass and go on about your way. I'll pay you two times what somebody else would if you leave all that grass. Because the experience matters. And so when we're excellent, when we become excellent, then when we meet people and when we get to introduce Christ to them, the experience matters. How you do everything matters to people. And here's the thing. Excellence will speak in your behalf even when you're gone. There's been many, many times on my job where I've, you know, and and, and typically it's in situations when when you're in a job and somebody thinks either you're too young to be there or you're the wrong color to be there or or whatever the case may be. And I've had many times where people have tried to accuse me of of doing something that wasn't right or or I didn't didn't, didn't do a report right or whatever. And and, and there's been times that I've messed up because I'm not perfect. But because I do things with such a degree of excellence, when I wasn't even in the meeting, the CEO and the boss was like, like, well, Edwin couldn't have done that. They had to come and ask me first, and I had to say, you know what? That was my bad. I blew that one. Really? Yep, I blew that one. But if you will function in radical excellence, even when you're not there, your excellence will be defending you. But you will not want to be the person that when something go wrong, they go, oh, we know who did that. 
because you mess up all the time. You don't put forth any extra effort because excellence will speak for you, but a lack of it will speak, will speak against you too. You could piggyback off of that and go into marriage. If you were excellent with your spouse, it would be easy for them to believe the best about you when you mess up. There you go. There you go. But if you're not excellent in your action toward them, if you don't always do the best for them, then it's easy for them to assume when you mess up that it is just a pattern of your mess ups mm. and what you do. Yeah. And so it's just, if you're excellent with your children, with, and let me insert that, that means sometimes to be excellent with your children, you have to apologize. Yep. You're not always right. Yeah. It's okay, parents, to apologize to your children. I know we grew up in a culture where that just wasn't, a, it, 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 it's like, well, I don't care if I'm wrong, you shut up. I mean, that's, I mean, that was the end of it. But, but that's not how you want to raise kids. If you make a mistake, it's okay to bring your kids in and say, look, I made a mistake. I overreacted. I blew it. Here's how I messed up. Here's how I can fix it. Because they know you blew it anyway. Right. Because the only difference is they're in their room talking about you. <laughs> oh, I know I ain't the only one. I can't say nothing to you, but I'm going to get this out. I'm going to shut my door. You make me sick. I can't stand your tail. Because they know you blew it. They know you messed up. So you might as well bring them out and say, look, here's what happens. When you mess up, here's how you respond. <laughs> they be like, what you say? None, none. But you know you in there talking about them. And if you model excellence for your children and part of that modeling is repenting when you're wrong, apologizing when you messed up, then you end up with kids who know how to do the same yep. thing. Yep. As, I mean, married people, mothers and fathers. When the last time you ask if you do a good job or do you assume you do a good job? One of the things that we say all the time is that he don't get to tell me if he's a good husband or not. Right. I decide right. that. Right, right, right. I don't get to tell him whether I'm a good wife or right. not. He decides right. that. You don't get to dictate whether you're a good parent or not. Your kids are the ones who determine whether you're a good parent or not. Typically, these are the feedbacks our kids going to say about us. They're going to say, Edwin, play too much when it's time to be serious. They're going to say, I fuss too much. But at least you know it. So then when one of them goes, Mom, you're fussing, you're like, oh, I got so much to say left. Yes. So then I just go in the room and tell Edwin all the stuff I want to say and then come back out and work it through. But I'm saying, excellence is something you work on. It is. It is. And, it and, is. and ex it excellence is. will leave a legacy. Yes. Yes. Excellence like will leave that. a legacy like for that. you. A lot of you guys don't know this about Pastor Edwin, but for 20 years he held the record at his school for the fastest 400 times. 800. 800. My bad. Sorry. 800. 800. For the fastest time. It took for so for 20 years, kids was looking at that trying to beat him. Where have you left that people still looking trying to beat you? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Where have you left and set the standard? It's funny because he was the principal of McNair Middle School. We still meet people and they say, My oldest kid was at McNair, and now my youngest kid is at McNair, and I really wish you were at McNair. Like when you leave a place, does anybody even care? Or do they just have a sigh of relief? <laughs> Dang. I mean, are they praying for you Dang. to get a new job too? Does your excellence speak on your behalf? Not just your excellence in work, but your excellence in attitude. Mm -hmm. Because you can have great work and have a horrible That's attitude. True. That's true. 
And so even though you're brilliant, nobody wants to deal with you. Even in your family, sometimes your solution and your answer is right. Your solution and your, de- your solution is excellence. Your delivery is horrible. So this is what we're talking about. So, so we're, we're talking about being excellent and making sure that you are not a slowful person. So let's go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. Uh, familiar story. We've actually used it two or three different times, referred back to it even in children's church, uh, because it's a, it's a wonderful uh, example uh, using uh, um, animals, so to speak. So, so here's what he says. He says, go to the ant, those who are sluggards. He says, and consider the ways of the ant and be wise. In other words, go and, and he says, if, if you want to know how, how to prepare and how to be excellent, look at the life of an ant. He said, because, because ants don't have anybody lording over them, but yet they learn to work together and they learn to work hard. In fact, they'll tell you that an ant can lift almost 100 times its weight. they're hard workers, they work together. One ant will let another ant stand on his back in order to make a bridge if it's going to benefit the whole colony. He says, so so be wise and look at the ants, which having no guide, okay, no no overseer, no ruler. Now, here's what I would ask you. If your boss was going on vacation for two weeks, come on, would you still work the same? Well, some of y'all will because you don't work when you're there. But if you were a hard worker, would you stop working hard? Because your boss wasn't in. You know, people, I meet people all the time, and they say to me sometimes, they say, oh, man, you know, if, I, I wish I could work from home like you. Well, n- not, not if, you, if you're an excellent worker, it don't matter where you work from. But that's why people ask me, why you send me an email at 1 a.m.? Because I was working. Why were you doing so and so and so and so? Because I was working. Why did you send me an email on Saturday? Because I was working. Because when you don't have an overseer or a guide, whatever work you have to do, you get your work done. Listen, if you got to have somebody standing over you, telling you, watch this, telling you what to do, telling you when to do it, telling you how to do it, you're not a career person, you're a slave. Amen. Can we get some music? That was nice. Yeah, yeah. Only slaves have to have somebody standing over them dictating to them what they have to do every moment. You, you ought to work to such a degree that, you, that literally your supervisors never have to wonder about what you're doing. I, I, I live in the same city that my boss lives in. Over the last year and a half, I have never seen her in this city. She lives two miles from me. I live on one end of Dunn Tyson, she lives on the other. I'll only see her when I, if I run into her on a plane or if I see her in Virginia or Charlotte or someplace else. She said, I hired you because I didn't want to manage these projects. And I knew if I hired you, you would just do it. And I tried to do like everybody else. The first week I called and set up my weekly appointments for about three weeks, and she said, Edwin, don't call me no more. <laughs> she said, don't you call me unless there's a problem. And I said, okay, if that's how you want it, I'll let you. And so every now and then, if something go right, I think, you know, somebody going to pop off and be crazy. I shoot her email, be like, hey, you just give me your heads up. But, but, but think about that. You should not have to be a person where your supervisor is like, the ones they showing up on time today. <laughs> They're walking around a cubicle trying to see if you're in there. They should just know that whatever you're doing, you're getting your job done. He says, look at the ant. The ant has no guide, no overseer, or no ruler. Next scripture. Next verse. It says, provided her meat in the summer 
and gathereth her food in the harvest. In other words, it means the ant is diligent in every season. Mm-hmm. See, there's a time, and everybody has different times in your life. You know, it's funny sometimes I think about it. I'm 45 years old now, but in my mind, I still feel like sometimes I remember what our life was like at 25. And I, it doesn't even feel like it's been 20 years ago, right? But at different seasons in your life, different things are happening for you. And so you have to understand that what you might can do when you're 25, you can't do when you're 45. And what you do at 45, you might need to be planning for your 70-year-old self. And so the, the Bible says the ant understands there's a time to gather and there's a time to harvest. They use the example of the grasshopper. Let's keep going. It says, how long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of that sleep? In other words, he says, how long are you going to stay in this place where just being lazy is your modus operandi? Mm. How, 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 mm. how long is, pro, is procrastination going to be your middle name? How, how long are you going to know that you need to get something done, but you're just not going to do it because you're just going to put it off until tomorrow? How long are you going to keep doing that? Because you understand that you get older every year. So if you say you're going to save for retirement at 22, but you don't start till you're 42, you're going to miss 20 years of compounded interest. How long are you going to start? Then he says, how long are you going to sleep? There's a scripture in Proverbs that says a lot of sleep leads one to poverty. We used to say it like this, if you sleep a lot, you're going to be poor. Not poor. Not poor. Because poor. poor is a whole different level. This is how long without sleep. Next, next verse. Next verse. He says, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, and a little folding of the hands to sleep. Next verse, what's going to happen to you? So shall thy poverty come as one that what? He said, travaileth. He said, listen, poverty going to come on you just like Mayweather did McGregor. (laughs) If you sleep and all you do is hang around and be lazy, it's going to be cool at first. And first four rounds was cool. Everybody was excited. But after that first four rounds, he got so tired, and, McGre- and, and, and Mayweather just started laying them blows on him. Poverty going to knock you out. He said, if you don't plan to save, if you don't do the stuff we're talking about, you don't learn to function in excellence, because, listen, you can only get fired so many times before it becomes part of your reputation. Amen. Because when you go, they're going to say, well, you know what? You got a gap in employment here. What happened here? You got a gap in employment. What happened here? You got a gap in employment. What happened here? And what we typically do, oh, you know, my supervisor was tripping. (laughs) Maybe the first time. Maybe even the second time. The third time, you become the common denominator. He said, so you got to make sure that you're not sleeping and folding your hands and not working and not showing excellence. Because if you do, poverty going to beat you up. It says, and they want, it says, and I want will be as an armed man. Next verse. Was that the last one? No, that's it. He's okay. It, there's, there's another scripture in Proverbs. We won't go to it. But basically what it talks about is this. It says that literally, if you are a person who practices being poor, everything around you will become broken down. Everything around you will become broken down. The Bible says a little leaven does what? Levy at the whole lump. Or a little yeast makes the whole cake rise. A little laziness won't just stay in one area. You... I, that's why it's, it's why it used to infuriate me when I would see my kids walk by in the kitchen and see a piece of trash on the floor and, and, and do this. You mean to tell me you stepped over that piece of trash? You saw it? You saw it there because you didn't kick it. When people do that or you see people in the parking lot, and I know you don't think it's a big deal, you get all your stuff you put in the car and you look at the buggy and just scoot it to the side. 
There's a place for the buggy in the parking lot for a reason. And if, listen, if you're too lazy to put the buggy up, don't use one. Walk around with your bags like this. Because watch this, if you had an establishment, if you had a business, and you wanted people to come to your business, but you didn't want people to come and get their cars all dinged up and knocked around on your parking lot, and then you went through all the trouble of marking out spaces to put the carts in there, even of different sizes, wouldn't you expect folk to put them back in there? And if you didn't, you'd be out there taking pictures, put them on Facebook, tomorrow, look at their trifling tails. So you got to do what you would expect other people to do for you. That's part of being excellent. You know, my, 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 we have these things we do sometimes where, like, so we eat cereal a different way, okay? I know that sounds weird, but we eat cereal a different way. He eats it wrong. I, <laughs> See, I just said different. We eat cereal a different way. So when she makes my cereal, she can't make her cereal the way she wants it if it's for me. When I make her cereal, I can't make it the, the way I make it if it's for her. Excellence is, a, is not, sometimes it's not about what, what you can do that's in your comfortability. Sometimes excellence means you got to get outside your comfort zone. Because what do you do? You put, you put the cereal in there first, don't you? That's the way to do yeah, it. I think, I think she, <laughs> that's the way you do it. So I'm like, cereal so, first, so then the milk. Her, every time I get ready to make her a cereal, I'm like, oh, turn around, do it backwards, okay? You know? <laughs> but, but the reality of it is, is that however you do it, you got to do it with all your heart and with all your might. Amen? That's what excellence is about. This is really important, guys, because let's, let's skip down. Let's look at this. Let's go to um, Proverbs 22 and 29. Proverbs 22 and 29. Proverbs 22 and 29. It says, Seest thou a man diligent in business? Mm. He shall stand before kings. Yeah. He shall not stand before mean men. Mm -hmm. So your excellence will open doors for you. I love that. Your excellence will that. take you into spaces that you really don't even deserve to be in, not by your pedigree, not by your background. I like that. I like but that. you can put yourself in a situation to accelerate. It says if you see somebody who is diligent in their work, are you diligent? Diligent is more than working hard to meet the timeline this week, the deadline. When you're at your company, are you looking to make it better? Are you looking for solutions to solve the problems? Are you looking for ways to streamline the process? Are you the encourager on the team? It says you see somebody who is diligent in business, they are going to stand before kings. That means you'll, you'll work so you'll be so diligent at your work that people four levels up above you will start to know your name, and then people will start to want you on their team. That's the thing. Like you think about this: when we were kids and you played kickball, who you want on your team? You you want on your team, you want the person who can kick the furthest, you want the person who can run the hardest, and you want the person who go work hard. And that's why I was a few people who was always standing last. And I'm just asking you if they pick a kickball team. You got him. Now, uh, you like, you like, <laughs> we captains, we captains, and we like, uh, can you take her this time? Right. I give you a piece of candy if you take. I mean, are you the person? Do people want you on their team? 
That's good. Do they That's want good. you? Do, do want does you your work team? ethic say yeah. that they want you? Listen, this is true. One of the things about the core, pe- core team at FOC is can nobody outwork us. We, you just can't outwork us. We, we go, go to, to other, other people's stuff and, and outwork the people who doing it. Because the truth of it is, is that if Jimmy and Angel have an event, we want it to succeed. So if everybody ain't doing what they need to do for Jimmy and Angel event to be a success, we in. We right. like, let's do it. Shoes off, arms rolled up. And a lot of times in churches, people are like, I don't fit in. Well, you, the reason you haven't found where you fit in is because you ain't found a place to work. Uh, and the people who are connected... Now. They people connect who are because, connected no, work. Really, because people be yeah. like, how come I didn't know that y'all was going to dinner at so-and-so because you left, you didn't do the work. Yeah. You didn't show you didn't up early. No you up. didn't put the equipment up. You didn't, you didn't help outside. get the kids out. You, you didn't, didn't take clean the up. That's why you didn't know we was going to lunch because we didn't, we didn't decide until right. we got all the work done. But, no but you were so focused on eating that you didn't realize that the work hadn't been done. Amen. <laughs> and so I'm saying to you is that if you want to stand before greatness, you got to be great mm-hmm. because greatness attracts greatness. Yes, it does. And why would somebody great want you being average in their space? Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to say that again. Why would somebody great? I really want to meet so-and-so. I really want to get to know so-and-so. I really want to get to know the VP of the department of so-and-so. If you're average, why do they have need of you? That's good stuff. What, what, why do they have need of you? If you average on a team, don't get mad because you don't get playing time when your work ethic is average. Do you know people get selected because they work hard? That, that coaches, not just sports coaches, but even me as a coach, that sometimes when I'm trying to decide if I don't have a spot but for two clients, I'm looking for who work hard. Yep. I'm looking for the person who show who I can look at their life and see that they grind and they do what it takes. Work is not a curse word. <laughs> Tell your neighbor say work is not a curse word. Work is not a curse word. And a lot of believers think work is a curse word. And so you believe because you're in faith. So I'm in faith for another job. That I know somebody My who God. literally applied for 300 jobs before they got one. And this is what they said. They said, until I get a job, applying for jobs is my job. Yep. Now, you see how simple that is? I do not have a job. I need a job. So my job is applying for jobs until I get a job. So when someone says to me, I'm looking for a new job, and I say, how many jobs have you applied for? And they say, five. You ain't serious yet. Why? Because a standard of excellence said 300. So, like, you ain't, I know people, Dr. He tells a story. He says that when he applied for a house, he got turned down 27 times before they said yes. 27 times. The problem, see, if you're not a person who is excellent, the first no discourages you. Mm-hmm. The second no crushes you, and after the third no, you're never trying again. My God. My God. But if you're a person of excellence, you like, tell me what I need to do. I'll tweak this, I'll go back. You need me to get this one more thing off my credit, I'll tweak this, I'll go back. You need me to save a few more dollars, I'll tweak this, I'll go back. Because people who are excellent are never moved by no's. In fact, people who are excellent never even think the no's are really toward them. Right. People, who, people who are excellent don't have this fear of failure. And, and the reality of it is if you have a fear of failure, you'll stop trying. 
and, 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 and to be good at anything, you have to try multiple times. You probably don't know a baby who tried to walk and didn't stumble and fall the first time. The fact of the matter is, whatever you're doing, you're probably going to miss a step somewhere, at least in the beginning. But if you are a person who knows that God called you to it, I'm going to go back to where we started, first, that first John 4, 17. It's all about love. If you know God called you to something, even if it's not working out, you know God's not calling you to do something so he can make fun of you. You understand that what he is doing is calling you to something, and though you may not be perfect at it right now, if you will keep believing and keep trying and keep working, keep researching, because you have to do the super and the natural. And I have to keep saying that to people, because sometimes people just want God to do all the work. Well, listen, God is already the best place, whatever you want after the end of that. Okay, he's trying to get you to become that. So that means that you individually have to do some of the work as well. And so one of the last scriptures we're going to do before we get into these seven things and give it to you real quick is Daniel 6 and 3. Now, he's going to show you Daniel 6 and 3, and I want to talk to you about Daniel 1 and 2. Because if you begin to read Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, you find out that King Darius, and what King Darius did is he basically took these hundreds of people, and he put them in certain positions of authority. And then once he did that, he then took three presidents and put over each of those particular regions. And the Bible begins to talk about why it is that he chose Daniel to be the chief of all the presidents. Notice what it says. It says, then this Daniel was what? Preferred. That, that, that means he was, out of everybody, he was the one that King Darius liked the most. Remember Pastor Sean just told you excellence will make you stand before great men? So, so, so here's, here's Daniel, who's not even a part of this, of this, of, of this, this region, but, but he, gets, he gets grafted into this particular region. There's hundreds of people in positions of power, and there's only three people over those hundreds of people. Amen. And it says, and out of those three people, Daniel was the one that was what? Preferred above all the presidents and the princes, because why? And you can stop right here, because why? An excellent He didn't get picked because he looked good. He didn't get picked necessarily because he was so smart. He didn't even get picked because he was the hardest worker. He got picked and chosen above everybody because there was an excellent spirit in him. It says, and the king fought to set him over the what? Whole realm. And if you go on and read, you find out the reason he set him over the whole realm. It says because the king didn't want to suffer any loss. Come on. Now, you know, think about that. The king said, look, I, I can't guard all of this. Okay, I, I got to get 300 folk who help me, and I need some folk watching the 300 folk. But I got one dude who I, who I need to be over everything, because if I don't have this one dude over everything, I might suffer some loss. But this guy is so excellent in what he does. He, there's such a spirit on him. Remember that set, those facets of the anointing? They all rested on him. Counsel, understanding, knowledge, reverence, fear of the Lord. They were all on him to such a degree that even a man who didn't acknowledge God said, if this man is in charge, I won't suffer any loss. Now think about that. On your job, are they looking at you saying, you know what, I got to promote this person. I need to promote them because if I promote them, then, 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 then there's going to be some other things that are going to be in better shape because they're over something else. And so excellence, I wanted to say all that to say, will get you promoted. Amen. I talk to people all the time. They're like, well, I've been here a year and they ain't give me no raise. So what did you do in that year? Because longevity may get you a, 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 a little something, but, 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 but a lot of companies don't even, give long, don't even give cost of living raises anymore. They don't even give cost of living raises anymore because especially when you get at the executive level or so because, number one, you're making more than, 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 than what they consider you need to have to have a regular cost of living. So the reality of it is is that you didn't get promoted and you didn't get a raise in that year because maybe you didn't stand out. 
a lot. See, nobody wants to say amen to that. It, it's always the boss's fault. No, no, no. What did you do? Because I tell you, literally, there was a job I had that when, they, when they hired me, and I, because I, I find out, they were paying me $15,000 less than they were paying somebody else who was doing my same job. It was cool. She had a few more years of experience, but I had more degrees than she did. But it was cool. I ain't tripped. But what I did say is this. I'm going to find a way to make them not only compensate me for that $15,000, but they're going to give me another $15,000. They're going to give me a $30,000 raise next year. And, and at first, you know, I only shared with a couple people. They was like, I ain't going to give you no $30,000 raise. Okay, watch. And so I was a project manager. I kept managing that project. And the project the year before I got there was, was they, they barely, I think their profit margin was like 6%. I mean, they barely made a profit when all the travel and everything was done. The next year, our profit mark was 42%. Now, when I walk into a meeting with my evaluation and I done saved you 42%, the, the, the profit mark went from 6 to 42. I can do this again next year, but only if you give me $30,000. Well, we don't know if we can do that. Well, I guess you'll get somebody to manage your project and you'll go back to 6% and you'll lose about $600,000 instead of 30. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can give you 30%. We can give you $30,000. Why? But, but, but you have to do something to make people see your value. The whole purpose of a job is to get out of you the most and pay you the least. Preach. Now, you don't have to like that, Preach. but that is. It's business. They, they job ain't for you to be able to get your new house. Their job is to work you and get every ounce of you out of you and not pay you. But if you are just average, you don't have any leverage. But if wait, wait, no, no, stop. That's say law. When you are average, you have no leverage. You have no leverage. You don't. You have no leverage. You go into the meeting and, 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 and because I use I tell people this in their evaluation with me. You know, you, you, you got a four, you, you know, if you're on a Likert scale of one to five, you got a four, five, four, three, four, five, 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 five. That's just doing your job. That's what we agreed on. We agreed at the beginning of the year that you would do your job. All the thing that's in your job description, you would do all of those things and you would do them well. So you don't get a pat on the back because you did your job. Did you save some money? I asked the people who work for me, how, how are you making my life less stressful? Because if I, I got a person on my team who, who I don't, she ain't leaving because she make my life easy. She makes my life so I can go have breakfast. And so if I got to cut somebody off my team, she's going to be the last one to get cut. Yeah. Are you the last one that's going to get cut? Right. Or are you the one that like, oh, we know where we got some dead weight. We know we can let somebody go. And so the reality of it is, is that's how you got to be. And you got to be that way not just on your job, but even with your friends. Are you an excellent friend? Are you the kind of friend that people can depend on? Or are you the friend that when people come see you, they're like, oh, here they come. Are you the friend who always needs something? Are you the friend that's always complaining? Or you're the friend who, who when everybody got to move something, you're like, oh, I got something to do that day. <laughs> but then when you need to move, you're like, who got trucks? I mean, you got to, I mean, that, those, no, are, real, real those are real that's things. Real you know, I told Keith when he got a truck, I said, man, you better get used to it. You, you got a truck? Folk going to call you. So, so, so in the FOC, don't buy no truck if you don't want to help nobody. Because <laughs> if you got a truck, you're you going to get a phone call. And so, you just, and so you just have to know that kind of stuff. And you got to be a person of excellence when it comes to it. Amen? Go ahead, babe. I just think it's so important. Like, you ought to be excellent even if you were in customer service. I say, like, my first job was at Walmart. I got hired at Walmart as a cashier when I was 16 years old. They put in a system for who got the fastest, most accurate scans. 
I got that for nine months in a row, part-time, because I wanted to be the best. And I'm like, you're a cashier, but you're not excellent as a cashier. Why would we make you a CSM? Come on now. You're not excellent as a CSM. Why would we make you a department manager? You're not excellent as a sub. Why would we hire you as a teacher? You're not excellent in the call center. Why would we promote you out? If you're not, like, what, other than the fact that you want it, other than the fact that you want it, if you're not excellent, what qualifies you for it? Other than just, other than just the fact that I want it, what qualifies you for it? Everybody that I know that is the picture of excellence is working when everybody I know isn't ever who isn't average isn't. Everybody, everybody I know who's excellent. People who are excellent in their fitness, they think about fitness all the time. All the time. People in here who are excellent in fitness, they think about what they go eat for lunch. They think about whether they go work out. If they not go work out, they go get a run in or they go kick a ball around with their kids. They're thinking about it. Those of us who are average are like, yeah, tomorrow, Labor Day, am I going to work out? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's I'm going to work out tomorrow. And those of us who are below average are like, work out? What's that? <laughs> like, who works out? But all I'm saying to you is this, is that it's so important for you to understand that God wants to position you to increase, but you have to participate in your rescue. Yes. 